Welcome to Choir Talks. Famous last words. That's a thing. You can Google it and see the famous last words of many celebrities or uh, people that are famous. And uh, you'll see that some of their famous last words were really deep and full of meaning, but oftentimes they were just trivial. Usually we don't know when the last words we will ever speak come. Today we're going to look at the seven last words, the seven last times that Jesus spoke from the cross. And in his case, they were anything but trivial. Jesus, of course, knew that he was dying, and he spoke from the cross seven times, and he spoke with great meaning. Yes, that was seven, that ultimate biblical number, seven, the number of perfection, the number of Sabbath, the number that represents God. Uh, was that by accident? I don't think so. So I want to look at those seven last things that he said and uh, see what it was that Jesus intentionally chose to teach us as he was dying on the cross. And here they are. First of all, Luke 23 records, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. His entire ministry was one object lesson after another. It's the way he, ta it's the way he taught. Here in the moment of his suffering and of his death, um, it's fitting that Jesus makes an enormous statement of forgiveness. He is forgiving those who neither asked for it nor deserved it. Even before their worst deed is complete, he is showing them grace. Forgiveness was one of the big pillars uh, of Jesus' teaching about the way that we should relate to one another. Not only was he practicing forgiveness there as he died, but he was also fulfilling prophecy. Isaiah 53, 12 tells us that the suffering servant would make intercession for the transgressors. And so he taught us from the cross as he forgave those who put him on the cross. Here's number two, Luke 23, 43. I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Of course, you remember that he's speaking to one of the thieves that was, that was being crucified beside him. One of the two was saying, if you're God, then do something. But the other, with humility, was saying, since you are God, remember me. So Jesus responds and comforts this one. He responds to faith because God always responds to faith. He is teaching us, even in his last moment here, that it is never too late. There wasn't a time for that thief to become a good person and uh, live a perfect life or uh, attend church even. Uh, there was only time for a confession of faith, but it was never too late in Jesus' eyes for one to have faith. Number three, John chapter 19 says, Jesus quotes Jesus as saying, Woman, behold thy son, behold thy mother, as he speaks to John. Jesus said uh, in Luke chapter 14, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father or mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now Jesus was using hyperbole here to make it clear that the life of a follower uh, will include sacrifice. So even if, as he's here on the cross, he shows love toward his mother by asking his friend John to make a sacrifice, a lifelong sacrifice, to care for his mother when he will not be able to do that. 
And then the Bible records after this statement that there are three hours of darkness. And in this three hours of darkness, Jesus doesn't speak at all. The hours of darkness represent the, the um, turning away, uh, where God turns away from the sin that he has placed on Jesus. And then at the end of these three hours, Jesus speaks again with great purpose. And he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This statement is not a random statement. It's not something that he made up on the spot. He is quoting Psalm 22. I encourage you to to read the whole psalm. In fact, if you've got time to search this podcast, episode 29 focuses on Psalm 22. And it's really one of my favorite episodes. I love that psalm. Psalm 22 is a prophetic psalm written hundreds of years before Jesus, and yet it describes the crucifixion of Jesus in great detail. It's even written hundreds of years before crucifixion was even invented, before there were ever such thing as the Roman Empire. And yet it describes this this event that happens to Jesus. Jesus quotes this psalm um, because he is feeling the separation from God that the sins of the world being placed on him caused. But he is also teaching us Uh, that he is the Messiah by identifying himself with this messianic psalm, Psalm 22. Then in John chapter 19, we see that Jesus says, I thirst. Boy, this one is also just full of meaning. Uh, Jesus describes himself as living water. In John 7, he says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Uh, God refers to himself as living water. In Jeremiah 2, he says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. In John chapter 4, Jesus meets with that woman at the well. And he tells her that she could ask of him and receive living water. I wonder that if at this moment when when Jesus has had this separation with God, that down to his his soul, he thirsts because he is no longer uh, in touch with the living water, which is the Father. He is separated and he is thirsty. And then Jesus says, it is finished. And boy, that's a statement full of meaning. What, what is it that Jesus is referring to when he says it is finished? Um, obviously, his life is finished, but it's so much deeper than that. John chapter 14 says, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. He completed the work that God gave him to do. The Bible tells us many things that he came to do. He came to fulfill the law, Matthew says. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to save the world. He came to do the will of the Father. He came to bring eternal life. All through the Bible, from Genesis 3 on, he is fulfilling the biblical roles that the Bible has laid out for him. Genesis 3 talks about crushing the head of the serpent, which he does ultimately here on the cross. Um, There's the picture of the atoning sacrifice, the lamb that was given uh, for the remission of sins. Um, There's the picture of the ultimate priest that he has fulfilled, the priest in the line of Melchizedek. 
He has become the true Israelite. He has become the servant of the Lord from Isaiah. He is the morning star. He fulfills all of these roles. Hebrews 12 says this, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. It is finished. His work was complete. And then lastly, Jesus says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. That also is quoting a psalm, Psalm 31.5, which was a psalm that Jewish children uh, would have learned as a a prayer, a a bedtime prayer. Uh, And so here Jesus offers this psalm back, into thy hands I commend my spirit. What Jesus is teaching us here in in this last word is surrender. He surrenders with trust to the Father. He's not giving up here. It's not a statement of of giving up, saying, oh, well, I tried. It is a statement of surrender uh, with trust to the Father. Just like he had said in the garden, he said, not my will, but yours be done. So with his last breath, he teaches us to surrender to God. Um, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's what surrender with trust looks like in our lives. All of these words of the cross mean nothing except for the resurrection. Because without the resurrection, these words would have a different meaning. We would look at him on the cross and think life is unfair. We would think that the good die along with the bad. We would expect um, loneliness in our own suffering. We would expect that people would abandon us and that God would abandon us. We would expect that, that misery is just the reality of life, that we're destined for failure and that death is the end. But it was not. With the resurrection, these words mean life. They mean eternal life. Those who know Jesus die with the same confidence and the same assurance. I want to invite you to share with us a a service about the cross and then a service about the resurrection. This weekend at Ridgecrest Baptist Church, uh, Friday night at 6 o'clock, we have our Good Friday service. And then Sunday morning at 9 and 1030, we will celebrate the resurrection of Jesus or catch us online in our Facebook page or our YouTube channel at 1030. Have a great Easter weekend. God bless you.